Okay, um, so I'll try and make this quick, but uh, we're going to continue on with the keys and um, it's been a great series so far. We've been talking about the good news and to bring uh, freedom to the prisoner. So we're going to jump straight to the scripture that we have been using and it's Luke 4. I'm going to take 14 to 22. I'm going to extend it because that's what I do with scripture. Uh, 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. When he's returning, he's coming from, he'd just been on his 40 day fast in the desert. And the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everybody praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. I love that the saviour of the world still thought going to church every week was a really important thing. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. He stood up and said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He then rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Everybody's eyes were on Jesus. And then he began saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke of him well and were amazed at the gracious words that came from him. And then this happened. They said, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't that? Yeah, that's, that's Joseph's son, the carpenter's boy. Yeah, that's Joseph's son. Which is strange because the chapter before this was where, the, where Jesus was baptised and the heavens were open and an audible voice said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Just the chapter before, the creator of heaven and earth says, This is my son. And the moment Jesus steps into his responsibility and his ministry on earth, the voice of this world says, Isn't this Joseph's son? And yes, it was true that Jesus was the son of God. And yes, it was true that he was the son of Joseph. But Jesus, to operate in his ministry, needed to choose which truth he was going to operate in. And when we discuss healing this morning and talk about the supernatural, I believe we need to address this issue first. And it's the issue of the mind. Because it's in that place that we choose what truth we are going to operate out of. It's in the issue of the mind. All throughout the Bible, we're told about that there is actually two worlds. There's the physical world, which we see and touch and hear and feel, and it's amazing, God created it. And it's this, then there's this unseen world that the Bible describes that there is a war raging that's of principalities and strongholds. And even Jesus needed to choose which realm he was going to operate in. Would, it, would he identify as Joseph's son or would he identify as the son of God? And Jeff just brought it up before. We, we need to remember that Jesus was fully man. He was a man. Some of you might go, yeah. He was a man, but he was fully God and fully man. But somewhere 
in, in somewhere he had decided or he had enabled himself to not access the powers that he had as the divine, so he would just act as a man. In John 5.30, it says, I can do nothing apart from the Father. I can't do anything without him. I am just a man. It goes on to say, I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Now, if Jesus did the miracles he did as God in a man's body, it's pretty impressive. I'm still, I still think that's wonderful. Walk on water. That's great. Heal the sick. That's fantastic. But you're God. So that doesn't, what does that mean for me? But we see in the scripture that he didn't do it as God. He did it as a man fully yielded to God which completely changes it because if he did it as God, we're just impressed. But if he did it as a man, then we are compelled to follow. He just set an example for us that we must follow. He set an example of what a man fully yielded, a man or woman of God fully yielded to his will can accomplish. The fact that Jesus did it as a man means that we cannot stay the same. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us in such a way that we come to a place where we are so yielded that our confession is also, I cannot do my will, I must do the will of the one who sent me. And that starts with a transformed mind by his spirit. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of the sermon, I should have told you this five minutes ago, is The Power of the Transformed Mind. The Power of the Transformed Mind. And one thing we need to realize when we're talking about the supernatural and, and miracles and healing is that it has nothing to do with us. It becomes a whole lot easier when we realize it has everything to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with us, everything to do with Jesus. And he gave the authority over the enemy, the keys. From Jesus' victory, we have access to what he had access to as he was yielded to God. I, a few years ago, when I was a youth leader at my previous church, we, uh, we had this a group of kids that were coming along to our youth group, which we affectionately, affectionately knew as the goth kids. And um, we loved them, and, and they were such fun and I remember one night being at home and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to make it my personal mission. I'm going to pray whatever devils they've got in them out of them. That's what I'm going to do. That's my mission now. And so I switched off the TV and I went to my bedroom and I turned off the light and I just thought, right. And I just started yelling like any good Pentecostal girl would do and I'm yelling and I'm shouting in tongues and I'm just raw and like 20 seconds into my prayer I hear and I went oh I didn't think I'd get the devil's attention that quick and so I thought all right you want to go? And I just, I was louder and louder. I'm shouting and I'm casting out devils. And I thought I was. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, and then this noise just gets louder. And I was like, what? I'm in this full on prayer battle. Like, rah, 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 rah. 
And I am just getting louder and louder and so is this demonic noise outside my window. I thought, oh my gosh. And so I just thought, I'm turning on the light. This is ridiculous. I turned on the light and the demonic thing that I was hearing had a face. It was the local possum. And... And I just, I was in a full-on prayer battle with, with the wildlife of Cardiff. And uh, I thought, I am, I am going to win these goths. And uh, really, I was just disturbing the peace. And I learned a lesson that night that, uh, that authority had nothing to do with the volume of my voice. It had everything to do with the victory of the cross. And... I now have many possums living in my roof. (laughs) They've followed me all the way from Cardiff. Would you turn to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 with me? It says, For though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons or yelling at possums. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they're mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. There will be times in our lives where what we can see will seem more logical than what we cannot see. But this scripture tells us that we need to lead, I love that wording, that we need to lead our thoughts captive unto Jesus. Every thought that crosses our mind, we need to lead it captive. I was sharing with someone yesterday about the power of a transformed mind and she just looked at me and said, but How do I get a transformed mind? And this is it. You take every single thought captive and you take it to the throne of Jesus Christ. When you start thinking that depressed thought about yourself, take it captive, take it to the throne of Jesus Christ and say, is this what you say about me? And if it's not, it does not remain in your mind. We need to lead every thought captive. I will always always have this sickness. Okay, let's take that thought captive. Does Jesus say he wants to heal everybody? He does. Okay, then Then despite what I see in, in the physical realm, I am going to trust what the Word says about the unseen realm. We must lead and get in the habit of leading every thought, every thought captive and lead it to Jesus. We must think, is, if you're thinking about talking to that woman at work and you, you're wondering what it might be like to be with her, lead that captive and see if that's what Jesus says a husband needs to be thinking about. Lead it captive and see if that's a wife needs to be thinking about that. Even the movies you're thinking about going and seeing, lead it to Jesus and go, will there spring fruit and life or is it not, is it not profitable to me? We need to transform our mind by leading our thoughts captive and seeing if it lines up with Jesus. Because if it doesn't remain in his glory, then it should not remain in your mind. We need to lead every thought captive. We cannot let our thought life run wild. We can't just sit sit there and let it run wild and rampant and think about all these horrible things that could happen. 
Every thought must submit to the truth of Jesus Christ because it's in our thought life where strongholds are built. A thought could just be a passing thought. And if you don't take it to the throne of Jesus and get the truth about it, you might start meditating on a lie where the lie becomes a stronghold and where the stronghold becomes something you trust in and therefore you're trusting in a lie and empowering the liar. We need to get in the habit of leading every thought captive. And this morning if I talk about healing and the supernatural and you kind of sit there and go, "Mm, I don't believe that. Jess was raised Pentecostal. Here she goes again. Amen. Amen. Oh, I love it. But if you're thinking that way, can I in the most loving and pastoral heart say that that's the mind of a cynic? And you cannot have the mind of Christ and the mind of the cynic. It's one or another. Your mind was either being transformed towards Christ and his realms and his realities, or you're sitting there waiting for evidence or waiting to prove somebody wrong. Evidence cannot produce a transformed mind. Only revelation can produce a transformed mind. Evidence can convince a mind. Oh, I see it now. I'm convinced. I'm convinced, but you'll always wait for the next convincing. But it's through revelation that produces an encounter with the nature of God. What's revelation? Talks about in the Bible, it's, it's as though... This laptop is truth and it's, and it's being veiled by something. And revelation is the lifting of the veil to reveal truth. The truth didn't just appear. It always was truth. It's just God reveals a little more truth about himself. And it's through revelation where we get a transformed mind. Evidence will convince you 100%. It'll convince you. I don't know how you did it, but I'm convinced. But it is revelation that allows you to believe before the evidence is ever there. And that invites you into an encounter with the nature of God. We cannot limit ourselves to build a theology on things that do or do not happen. We can't build a theology. If you pray for someone and they don't get healed, do not build a theology around that. Do not build a theology around your experience. Build the theology on the Word of Christ because we are living in a fallen and destructive world. We cannot base who Jesus is on what we've gone through. We must base it on the Word of God. You must base it on the Word of God. Romans 12 verse 2 One of of my favourite verses, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Show me, I'll believe it. Show me, I'll believe it. Show me, I'll believe it. But don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So then you'll be able to test and approve what's God's will. 
his good and pleasing and perfect will. Paul here, the writer of Romans, says, is telling the church, we give a place to unseen realities through our thoughts. Good or bad, we give a place to unseen realities in our thoughts. The word transformed here where it says transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed there is the same word that they actually used about Jesus on, on the Mount of Transfiguration. And, uh, and that's, if you don't know that story, it's where Jesus went up this mountain and he had an, a killer prayer meeting. Elijah turned up, Moses turned up, all the greats thought it was important to be there. But in the middle of this prayer meeting, Jesus, it was like he couldn't contain it anymore. He just started to shine. He started to shine. And the word that they described here says, where the reality of heaven radiated through Jesus on earth. That's the word they're using there, the transform word, the the, the reality of heaven radiated through him on earth. And this is what we are called and empowered to do. As sons and daughters fully yielded to God, we are called that we would also radiate the reality of heaven here on earth. Not just be nice citizens or pay our bills on time, smile in the shopping line, oh, you've got less groceries, you go first. Not that kind of stuff. That's nice. It's nice to do that kind of stuff. But that is not why, why Christ died. He wants us to bring the reality of heaven here to earth. What, what is yes in heaven can be yes on earth. It's the scripture we've been using. You have complete and free access to God's kingdom, whatever you want. We're called to radiate the reality of heaven right here. In Matthew 3 verse 2, we see crazy John the Baptist um, saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You might be thinking, why on earth are you using this scripture when we're talking about the transformed mind? Because Repent here isn't the word where we would normally think you've done something bad. You better say sorry for it and stop doing it right away. You better repent. It's actually a compound word in the Greek. Forgive me if there's any Greeks here. Um, metanoa. Sure. Uh, a compound word which, has, which combines the two meanings of after and different. So that the whole word actually means to think differently after. Think differently after. John the Baptist was saying that this word metanoa means different from the thought, former thought. A change of mind and a change of conduct. Change of mind and heart or a change of consciousness. He was saying to us, change your thoughts for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change the way you're thinking about it. Change the way you're thinking. The kingdom of God is at hand. Everything that's in heaven that you want access to is at hand. But he's saying not with that earthly mindset. Not under that, aren't you, that person mindset. It's under the I am a son or daughter of God mindset. And he's given me authority and keys. And I'll walk in that freedom despite what I see. I still hope and have faith in Jesus Christ. See, a lot of us have repented 
to get forgiven, but we've stopped there. We've changed our thinking about where we're going when we're dead. Hallelujah. But we need to keep being transformed. Being, having a transformed mind doesn't stop at, well, I don't think mean thoughts about people anymore. And it's not about, hey, how about we all start thinking happy thoughts, church? Although I wish some people would think some happy thoughts sometimes. But um, it's more about, I know where I'm going when I die, but there's got to be more while I'm here. There's got to be more. We need to keep changing our thinking about what we have access to while we're still here. And one of the hardest challenges we face when it comes to renewing our mind in Christ and allowing God to renew our mind, not, it, it's not only in how we see God. One of the hardest things is changing how we see ourselves. Just as in the story of Luke 4, Jesus stepped into his responsibility uh, as, as people on earth, as his ministry on earth. And, and the moment he did it, people said, I knew that guy I went to primary school with. Are you the carpenter? You were just the carpenter. I have lived next door to you all my life and I haven't said hello, that kind of thing. Aren't you just Joseph's son? And this is the battle we'll get as well because we actually, the Bible describes that we have an enemy and one of his job descriptions, lovely him, is the accuser of the brethren. That's his job description, which means he just goes around to Christians accusing them. And this is what the Bible talks about, the fiery darts of the enemy. It's like thoughts coming in and going, hang on, aren't you that person whose marriage broke up? Aren't you that person who's had sickness all their life? You couldn't heal somebody. Aren't you the person with the anger issue? Aren't you the person who has that addiction issue? Aren't you the person who just can't get their life right? Aren't you that person don't be stupid. God wouldn't use you. And they're like fiery darts. And some of us know exactly what I'm talking about. They just don't stop. They just keep coming. The moment you try and step into anything God has called you to do, the fiery darts start coming from the enemy. But we are told, grab that dart, take it to Jesus and say, is this the truth? Is it the truth? And if it's not, leave it. We need to allow God to not tr just transform our mind of what we have access to, but also who we are in Christ. The death of Christ on the cross and the resurrection must go beyond forgiveness of our sins. We must take up the authority that Christ won back so that we can bring heaven to earth. If it was just about the forgiveness of the sins, he wouldn't have had to go down and get the keys and spend three days in hell. But he did. And it was important to him and it was important to God. This life must go beyond just the forgiveness of our sins and then we're happy with that. It must, we must set our hearts and minds to become more like Christ, not through anything we do. It's all through Jesus and all through His grace. But this is the role of the bride of Christ, to bring heaven to earth. This is the mandate of the church and it's our responsibility as Christians.
One last story. As I was preparing this week, one of my friends texted me and said, how's it going? I said, oh, I've just had an argument with God. Um, I think he's won. Um, she writes back and goes, why would you even take him on? Like, oh, I don't know. I was trying to tell him he wasn't real or something. And, but I was sitting there and the whole subject was meant to be on healing today. And I even had coffee with someone this week and I said, the more I look into it, the more I'm doubting. I was just in this crazy mindset. I'm just being honest with you, if that's okay. And there was a miracle I needed in my body. And I said, God, if you heal this, so naughty. What? (laughs) Get it in writing. I said, if you heal this, then I'll be able to speak on healing. He didn't heal me. And I went into this, okay, man, God, we're in a prayer battle. Um, I just went into this almost like a rage with God. How dare you? How dare you promise me healing? How dare you not show up when I ask you to? And it was almost like God was just showing me so quickly, me ending in tears going, yeah, you're right. But it was like, I will not base who God is on my experience. I will always base my experience on the cross. And I, he showed me so clearly and he could have healed it. I believe he could have healed it. But I would have been standing here out of an evidence-based revelation rather than a nature-based revelation. And it is hard to get our heads around. I understand, I understand there is a lot of hurt that would be in here through unanswered prayer. I understand, I don't deny that, but it does not change who God is. It does not. And my, my argument with God, after all my hoo-ha and yelling around the house, it's almost like he's like, are you finished? You're done? And I just slumped on the couch and just wept and said, heal my unbelief. Heal my unbelief. That's what I need healing from. That's the true healing I needed. Not my weird toe. (laughs) Bet she knows. All the young adults are laughing because I have weird feet. Um, But that's what I needed. Healing from unbelief. And I truly believe that before we will see a breakthrough of miracles and the supernatural and what bringing heaven to earth, I don't think I'd be the only one in here. I don't think I'd be the only one in here who needs healing from unbelief. And this morning... That's my time. But I know that people would relate to that. Surely it can't just be me or else we would be the healing centre of the world. If everyone in here had 
100% belief, weren't struggling with disbelief, their faith was completely yielded to God, we would see miracles and healings like we've never seen before. But I believe that God wants to do something this morning. And whether you've been a Christian for 30 years or 30 days, God wants to transform our mind. And yeah, we're going to pray this morning about it, but it doesn't stop there. It means going daily into the Word, daily into prayer, daily taking, leading every thought captive. Because our, our priority must be that we bring heaven to earth. We can argue with people all we want about theology, but when God shows up and does the miraculous, everything will fall away. But we first need to believe what He said even despite our eyes not seeing it. So I'd love, if Phil, you'd come, that'd be wonderful. And if we could stand, that'd be great too. And I pray you hear my heart this morning and I'm not standing up here saying I've got it all together. Of multiple conversations about how is this, how, how, how. But that's the wrong question. It's who, who, who gave his life, who died for us, who has given us authority. And if that's you this morning, church, and, and you know, and this is an emotional thing, but you know that you sat there cynically, even as the men were talking, or you sit there and you think, I cannot get my head around it, God. And you too say, heal my unbelief. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love us to start on the journey of going, yeah, I want to believe for every single thing that heaven has given me access to. Julie, if you'd come and sing. But I'm going to give a few moments for us to come and actually stand before God. Come down the front and stand before God and say, heal my unbelief. And after we say that prayer, I'd I'd love the healing team as well. If anyone needs healing, we're going to pray for healing despite what we can see. And if nothing happens, do not build a theology around it. Do not take away, well, God doesn't heal. He heals. He heals. He's been healing for many, many years. And He will continue to heal. But it starts with our unbelief. Amen.